to the Wellbeing Rebellion, the podcast that's changing workplace cultures for good. We're your hosts, Ngazi Wella and Obehi Alafoje. Let's get this rebellion started. We talked a lot about trust in the episode we did about how you foster psychological safety in the workplace. And it came up recently when uh, we attended the DTX conference in Manchester. And I was on the panel. Uh, it was a panel on is work for, is workplace well-being the key to a successful workforce in 2023? And it was a great panel. It was a wonderful event. I did not know that DTX Manchester was the largest tech conference in, in the north, I think. And it was phenomenal and I was joined on stage by some incredible panelists there were reps from and these are senior bigwigs from Kellogg's from Infinity Works and Beauty Bay and the topic was really relevant and the audience normally when you do these panels audiences don't ask that many questions but this time the audience had a lot to talk about workforce well-being and whether it's the key to the success of the future of work But one question that was really challenging, in fact, there were two, and they were from two different perspectives on the same topic. So I thought we should talk about it, was this thing about trust and what happens when it breaks, right? So the question was from one person, what happens when employees don't trust their managers and leaders? And then someone else asked about you know, what happens when employees take advantage of the organization's generosity in supporting them with their mental well-being efforts and use it as an excuse to be lazy or work shy. Uh, so, yeah, it was also about how do you go about rebuilding trust? So this trust issue is one that people understand now that they have to grapple with both individually and corporately. And so uh, we thought it was something that yeah. was worth us talking about. Because... Or at least answering the question. Because yeah. um, when you're on a panel and people have questions, answers, and then everybody in the panel would have to add bits and bobs. But it would be nice for us to actually just almost like respond fully what we would normally have said if we didn't have time restraint. Does that make sense? So that was... Uh... So mm. I think the, the first question that I wanted us to, to answer... Is the personal one about... Yeah employees who have who have experienced a breach of trust who've been hurt so uh, I can't even break confidence because I don't know this person's name she had worked for a previous company uh, had had suffered having told her managers about her mental well-being concerns mm-hmm. and their response was much less than favorable I don't know what the company was we don't know anything about that but it clearly it worked in tech but the what she was asking was that what do you do what is how can she as an employee what could she have done differently (laughs) because her issue was I told them what was going on with me and they acted like they didn't believe me or I was lying what did that leave her what did that leave her basically Mm -hmm. so it's an interesting two points what did the employee do when that happened to them but for the organization what can you do when an employee who's either left or actually doesn't feel they can trust their manager or their leaders to support them in their time of need? Okay, because that's two perspectives. One, uh, for the employee herself. 
And two, for the organisation, when you have employees like these saying that they're not happy or they're not listened to or believed by their leaders and managers, what can you do about that? Okay. So for an employee, it's a very personal thing. First of all, to have the courage to say, I'm really struggling in this thing, it's not easy. I know from first-hand experience, I wouldn't tell anybody at work because of the fear that they would say, well, that's just because you're crap or that they wouldn't believe me or that it'd be held against me. All the things that we've talked about in previous episodes that stop people from coming forward. I didn't tell a single soul. I, I just didn't show up for work when I got signed off. That's it. So the fact that if you uh, come across an employee who has had the confidence or is either that desperate the courage the courage yeah. yeah that they have been able to tell you as a manager that they're going through a difficulty just know what strength that took it's very very difficult if you if you do that if you take that deep personal risk and then you're met with either apathy or even worse a lack of belief mm. if that happens to you certain things will happen First of all, you'll never risk exposing yourself like that to that individual or possibly even to anyone in that organization ever again, because you have you as the manager has just proven that they're not safe to do so. And two, they then will likely not be able to get the help that they need. So the problem will exacerbate. Hmm. My advice to you, if this is you going through this, is first of all, well done for telling someone, as the kill kids say, for speaking your truth. (laughs) Yeah, well done. And I am very sorry that you weren't met with the kind of grace and compassion that you should have been or that you weren't given an effective avenue for support and help. It is not your fault, likely. It is not your fault, right? So don't stop being brave. Just find someone who deserves that courage. And if that's not in your workplace, find it outside. Yeah, the workplace. I think that's a good point there. Also, if it's not your actual manager, because I'd like to think if if I was speaking to her on the side and she came over to talk to me one-on-one on the side, that's exactly what I would say. Your manager did not believe you. What the next, how do you escalate it? Who's the next person that you could tell? It could be another manager from another department. It could be the manager manager. It could be HR. So it's mm-hmm. just a question of what the um, procedures. And for organizations, you should have a procedures for this. If a manager is not doing what's required, what to can employees do next? Mm-hmm. Where's the next person they can talk to? Um, or who is that next person they can talk to if they're not getting what they require? So that's one. The second thing I would have been asking is about access to her EAP. She's accessed them at all. She knows what they are. She knows what offers. Does she qualify for any of those things? I'd be encouraging her to go and check them out. Um, And if she, and then encouraging her to use them based on what the offer is. The third thing I'd be asking her to do is to consider external support. So external coach, external therapy, would depend on what's going on for, for them. Mm-hmm. So that they can think about you and only you. In other words, you are the priority, you come first. So that that way you have opportunity to think about what you need, 
what you need for your career, what lifestyle you're looking for, all of that stuff that makes it about you. Um, in a way that you may not have that confidence with your manager to discuss it. And clearly, if trust had been broken in this way where they don't believe you or think you're lying, I wouldn't be trying to encourage them to go back and talk to that manager about their future planning. That's not something I'd want to encourage because I don't want them to feel even more unsafe. So that's a good thing. The fourth thing I would say, if a company no longer feels right for an individual, right, if you've now worked out, this is not the right place for me. I don't feel safe here, give or take wherever department I'm going to be. Then I'm going to be encouraging this person who asked me to figure out how she can safely exit from this organization. People get worse when they're not being supported at work. They feel less motivated. They don't. So it, it's not helpful to her or the organization, really. So it is in her best interest to figure out how she can safely exit from a company to somewhere else where she can be more herself and get what she needs. But what I'll be encouraging, when that time comes for her to leave, to be honest and kind about why she's leaving um, during the exit interview, if they are exit interviews, they should be. If your organization don't have one, you should definitely have one for every employee who hangs in their notice. Because that would give her opportunity to let the organization know the real reason why she left, the support she had or didn't have, and any recommendation that she can make to them, no longer her business anymore. But I'd rather that she does that than say, oh, I've got a different job with different pay. I'd rather they be honest about what it was that contributed to it. One of the key things that I always say to HR leaders, <laughs> and I will always say it, People who have mental health issues or struggles or whatever, even physical health issues, they will eventually get well, right? Eventually they'll get well, they'll figure themselves out, they'll get treatment, whatever. But they will never forget how you treated them, how you supported them. And if you didn't support them appropriately or well, they will actively look for a way to leave. So they're already seeing what you're like. If other people have watched them go through this, watched them struggle, what how their managers responded to them, they also know this is not a place I can trust either. And they will be seeking to leave. Because when people don't feel safe in their space or in their teams, they spend a lot of energy <laughs> trying to figure out how to get themselves safe, which means constantly watching their back, all of that stuff. So that's what I wanted to to wrap up about what I would have to say to an individual person who is struggling. We get this all the time. We're psychologists and we're coaches. So therefore, I will have individual people asking for support because their HR isn't providing that or the organization is not providing that. They could do exactly the strategy I will getting them to do. I wanted to share that with you all. Great. So that answers the individual's question about what do I do because they didn't help me. And the answer in summary is continue to get help, pursue that because you deserve, you deserve to feel well. Continue to pursue all avenues available to you for help. Go up if you must, go around if you can, go external, but get the help. But then there's the point of view of the company. The company, what does a company do or an organization or a leader do if they feel that their 
they are providing that kind of level of support, mm-hmm. the psychological safety, all of the things, as it said, but their employees are taking the mick and are using their generosity as an excuse not to work or to shirk. Now, we get this question a lot, Um, less so nowadays, I must admit, but in the first few years, people would say, but if you're doing this, if if you're always showing them that you care and you're showing the soft side, then they'll just take the mick, which is a very old school approach. It's a very paternalistic approach to how you view the employer-employee relationship. Yeah, but the truth is, as I said, always, always focus your attention where you're going to get the most reward. Why would you focus on the tiny fraction of people who may take advantage of your mental health support which might be what one percent, even if it's ten percent. Why would you take it to focus on how you can stop that from happening when you should be focusing on the bigger prize? The vast majority of people who have mental health concerns underreport. They don't access help. They don't take time off work. Only a small number of people, a tiny fraction of healthy employees will use the mental health excuse to stop them from doing work, right? You're not trying to manage the worst performance. You're, you're focusing your efforts on how you can bring the best performance out of your employees. So if someone brings up their mental health issues and concerns, believe them. It is 99% more likely that they're going to be telling the truth than a lie. Don't assume that it's just an easy cop-out. If you can assume that they are telling the truth because you've created that environment of psychological safety and trust, if you assume that they're telling the truth, you have a good relationship, then assume that if they tell you that they can't manage their performance because of their mental health struggles, that they're telling the truth. The two are not mutually exclusive, right? then recognize that this is going to have an impact not just on them, but on the wider team. You're going to have to do something to manage it. You can't just do a there, there. That's mm. a shame. Have you have you thought about calling the AP? You're going to have to make sure this person gets help as quickly and effectively as possible because whilst they are not at their best, they are going to be underperforming. And that's what we call the well-being black hole. One person's affected. Everyone sees what your response is to that. It's generally to divide the workload amongst the remaining members of staff who are fully operational. It will it will reduce their productivity. But if you also, another element of the well-being black hole is if you view the way you're treating this individual as something that's not private between you and them, it's visible to everybody. Everybody's going to see how you respond to employee X when they came to you with their problem and decide whether or not they can truly, truly trust you with theirs. Mm. So make sure that you know that you're on show and whatever you do from that point onward will either grow or erode the trust that you have between yourself and your employees. The other thing I wanted to add actually 
to be fair, and I'm going to be very honest, when I hear this question, we hear it a lot, we said, what do you do when employees are taken advantage? I know for a fact that your managers have not been trained. I know that for a fact. I can almost set the clock on it. In other words, there's no way a fully transformational trained manager would assume that. If they did, because this person had already had history off, in which case you're only concerned about why you're concerned about one person or two people, when you should be concerned about the majority of people who do their work and want to do well. So the reason why this assumption comes up because they don't know how to mm-hmm. train them. They assume that if someone is doing has mental health issue, that it's an excuse to uh, an opportunity to excuse poor performance. It's not really. You, it's possible to support somebody's mental health at the same time performance manage them. Because performance management isn't a punitive exercise. I think the idea is to think it is. So this is why I'm, it's always clear to me when managers say that, that people are going to take the pierce. Because they think saying I'm not, I've got mental health issues is giving you carte blanche to not do your work or show up. That's not true at all. You can learn how to do both. You can learn how to be empathetic to someone's mental health, make sure to get treatment, and make sure that you have, as a manager, agreed the scope of work that this person is going to be doing based on their what's going on with them, mm-hmm. based on whether or not they're getting treatment or not getting treatment, based on what they've agreed with the team and how the team is going to help out. This is very clear to me when someone said someone is taking the piss just for taking the piss sake, that they haven't been trained properly. So if you get, at HR, if you get managers coming to you saying that, oh my God, I think the people are, all these mental health issues, causing issues, people are just not wanting to work, you know you have a training problem. That's your indicator. Mm. You know what you think about that, Ndadi? Me and my damn ADHD, I can't remember the really great point that you you just made, which was you were saying that if people um, come to you saying that, oh yeah, all this mental health stuff is, they're, they're taking the piss. One reason might be because people do often think like, and I, I, I guess I am talking about the old school. They think, well, you know, bloody hell, there was no mental health before, and now everybody's off sick. Sandra's off sick. That's the well-being black hole. So even if they're saying, uh, you know, it was one person on the team, now it's ten. It's ridiculous. Oh my gosh, it might be because it's the well-being black hole, which is like I said, the impact, the knock-on impact of one person's illness or productive uh, incapacity on everybody else, which increases their own stress levels. Or it might be because you're doing such a good job creating psychological safety that people who were hiding it before are now able to speak up about the fact that they're struggling and they need support. And it might be short-term pain for a very, very much bigger long-term gain. But yet people don't take the piss with telling you that they're going through mental ill health. And if you've created a a truly open culture based on trust, based on mutual respect, based on an adult-to-adult relationship, you'll know when they're taking the piss. Simple. But then how can you tell, Opie, if your employees don't trust their leaders? Say um, uh, the people who are listening, our good audience, are in fact in HR or in senior management. How do you know if you haven't got a good level of trust between your managers and their staff? Yeah, I'm going to say, that, uh, first thing, it's behaviour. So what are people doing? What are you seeing? I mean, we're all starting to go back into the office now, right? So two, three days a week, people are doing that. Um, all of a sudden, 
people are feeling uncomfortable coming back into the office. They started doing it, it was fine, and all of a sudden they're not. That might be one. The gossip by the watercolour, what's happening, what people saying. Um, when people go off sick, what um, what is the... What are they saying about them after they've been sick, right? Mm. Um, when someone has been off sick for physical health, your your organisations have sent flowers and cards. When someone is off for mental health, cricket, nothing, right? The person comes back, it looks like they had leprosy. That's why they left. It's the weirdest feeling. So those mm. are the examples that tells you we don't trust. You could go out of the office and be ill for physical health but not mental health is still what's running in there. So that's one thing I would say. If you also have complaint, increased complaints, so it's gone from, like the case of that lady saying that the manager didn't believe her, mm. then she might have got escalated it to HR to say, listen, I, I've got this thing and, and my manager won't help. If you're getting more of that, more complaint of the same manager, maybe the same department, that gives you an indicator as well. Um, and also your surveys. So if you do post surveys, and frankly, to be fair, if your organization is one that it's already people aren't sure or there's trust issue, you may not get a clear picture if you send a survey, but at least it's better than doing nothing. So send a survey, make sure it's anonymous, right? And ask very specific questions about trust and whether or not I trust my manager to support me. I can escalate things if I have issues. Um, I'm actively looking to leave the organization, <laughs> right? You can ask very specific questions that are anonymous because people can tell you what you need to know. So that's kind of ideal in terms of behavior. It's something that you're going to have to see or hear. Um, but as for what someone is feeling inside, you can't possibly unless you ask them. Mm. So to round up, assume your employees are lying to you when they say they need help. Assume you do need to continue to build on the psychological safety that exists within your teams and your organization, because you generally always do. Assume that your managers need to continually learn how to be better people managers in terms of creating and cultivating trust between their employees and, and assume that they don't just know this stuff by osmosis, but that they need your support through training and education. If that trust is broken, it takes a long time to restore it. It's going to take more walking the walk than talking the talk, right? Yeah, I think once uh, if trust is broken in an organisation, it would have a knock-on effect on things, on lower engagement, high turnover, reduced innovation. It just is. So you have to be prepared to allow time for that to happen, okay? And and for one of the questions that actually we did, I didn't talk about it one, was what happened when someone has come from a different organization? Mm. So they, they the last organization wasn't quite up to par, they didn't trust them. So they've come into your organization having some level of lack of trust because you're not sure, right, based on past experiences, which is why it's important when new people join your team you need to be able to share with them about what you're doing, how you're helping to build trust, how they can come to, who they can go to, you can talk to about things, just to help them to let some of that baggage that they might have come with from another organisation, to be able to let them, you know, let that, get that light, the load lighter. So that way they can start to form relationship with a new team, new manager, and they don't bring old baggage into a new organisation. But that's the reason why we think it's important to psychological safety, because that accounts for new people joining your organizations or teams. 
to round off, I'm going to end this episode with a quote because everything we've talked about reminded me of my favorite American author, Maya Angelou, and that famous quote that she had. I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Love that. Yeah, that's what it's about. All right, thank you. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Wellbeing Rebellion. If you liked what you just heard, please share it with your colleagues. Follow us on LinkedIn. The link will be in the show notes and generally show us some love. We want to build a whole army of fellow rebels who want to create positive workplaces for everyone. Will you join the rebellion? See you next time.